suck my dick, bitch. You have ugly balls. <laughs> That's going to be the beginning of this episode. Saying, you have ugly balls. That's what I'm saying. Is that like, you know, you always have that one person in your life that will know truly what your wishes are. And unfortunately for you, it's me. Yes, it is. And Penny. And Penny. Hello. So I'm in a totally different environment as normal. Mine's a little bit different too, but I mean, we make it work. So we definitely do. Um, surprise. This is a surprise bonus hiatus video for you guys. All kudos to Shannon here. It's a big event tomorrow. It's a big event tomorrow. Um, and because it's a big event tomorrow, and I think we need to explain why we decided or why you decided to do uh, a bonus hiatus episode, I need to move really fast. We're together. Hello. It's her birthday tomorrow. So we have to do a bonus hiatus birthday episode. We're gonna get drunk together. Wine drunk, and you're welcome. Woo! Leg. Okay. <laughs> I'm getting a comfortable. <laughs> Editing. Editing. No one needs to see my cooter. Hi, everybody. Hello. Darcy's currently pulling up our stats. Yes. So the last you heard, we were doing our big, like, you know, goal to 1,000 downloads by the end of 2022, which, you know, was a scary feat because, like, as confident as we are, it was kind of like, are we actually going to do it? Mm-hmm. Um, the answer is yes, we did it. So thank you guys. We actually did it long before we actually thought we did it. So thank you guys. That was all because of you. Um, because as you know, from the start of the podcast to where we ended last year, we went from Anchor to Podbean and your stats from Anchor don't transfer to Podbean. So out of curiosity, I poked around on the old Anchor account and discovered if you put those stats with the stats from Podbean, um, we actually ended 2022 with 1,034 downloads. So grand applause for you guys. Thank you so, so much. It means a lot to us. Mm-hmm. So we're learning how to be better podcasters. We're learning how to be better in general for you guys. And if you know ways that you feel we could be better, like let us know. Like Mm-hmm. we can totally like we, we're always open to new to feedback so yep we also love to hear what people actually like and what they want to see more of so mm-hmm. exactly um and if you only have mean things to say that aren't constructive here's a potato that's that or an avocado <laughs> okay um but to say thank you and hello to everyone if you're new here welcome to to killer to brunch um i am darcy this is Shannon and we're two best friends who are kind of fucked up in the head and like to talk about spooky things and dead people. So yes. that's where we are. Um, and welcome everyone who is returning. It's great to have you here in the psych ward and we're going to jump right into shout outs. So if you want to skip this piece, you can go ahead and skip it. Just skip like 30, 30, 45 seconds ahead. So hello to everybody in the United States, uh, the UK, India, Bulgaria, Jamaica, Russia, Belgium, Italy, Australia, El Salvador, Sweden, Nigeria, Portugal, Germany, Canada, Albania, Cuba, Spain, Mexico, Norway, the Philippines, 
uh, and South Africa and to everyone within the United States. So a huge shout out to the US, the UK, and India. You are our top three listeners for 2022. So round of applause for you guys. Thank you very much. Um, and everyone in the US, our top three states that get a round of applause are Florida, California, and Washington. So applause to you guys. All right. Very weird parts of the country. Yes. So I'll take it. Um, yes, hello definitely. To everybody in Florida, California, Washington, Massachusetts, the number four. That's that's interesting. Yeah. Um, Georgia, New York, Texas, Illinois, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Michigan, Tennessee, Colorado, North Carolina, Nevada, South Carolina, Kansas, Indiana, New Hampshire, Virginia, Wisconsin, Kentucky, Utah, New Jersey, the District of Columbia, Iowa, Maryland, Minnesota, Montana, New Mexico, Oklahoma, Rhode Island, and Ohio. So hello, hello, and welcome back. Yes. Right. All right. So I have a fun topic. I always like the the histories and the who done it, you know? I mm. like it could be taking a killer to brunch. You never know. I would love to hear that in this article. So this will be an interesting one because I'm gonna make sure that Darcy's not actually reading my notes because I'm pulling your notes up and then I'm gonna put the computer over there. I won't look at your notes. Okay. Well good then. We're working on this whole being in the same room because it doesn't happen often. This is the first time. It's ever <laughs> yeah. Out of let's see, we recorded thirty-five. We had you know thirty-five or thirty-six. Yep. Thirty-six, and I jumped in on nineteen. So you're like seventeen of those episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first episode of twenty twenty-two. Well, my goal for this year is to um, finally make my way around to wherever Darcy is in the like U.S. or world, Thank literally. You. If you find your show notes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, eventually the hope is we record an episode in a different country. That'd be fun. Instead of, you know, having to force Darcy to wake up at a very odd hour or me being awake at a very odd, 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 odd hour, which is likely anyways, to actually record. So she's looking at her notes. She got me a Christmas gift. It was great. It's a Polaroid camera. It's a real Polaroid camera. And the legit kind. Yeah. And we've been playing with it. And the first photo was epic. I just need everyone to know. And there's, if you have one of these, there's uh, an inscription on the bottom or a quote on the bottom in case you didn't know that. And it says, an essential aspect of creativity is not being afraid to fail by Edwin Land. So if you have one of these, check it out. Maybe you have a different one. If you do, and it is a different quote, put in the comments. I would love to know what your, what your quote says. So yeah, I'm like curious to see if they like actually put different quotes on like underneath the bottom of each one. Cause that's kind of cute. I would die happy knowing that. Okay. Ooh, I can actually read this too, which is great because I'm very blind for people that don't know that. And I did not put my contacts in today. Ah. Winning. Okie dokie. You can still see the notes. So, you know. I'm not looking at the notes. I'm okay. I'm going to. Well, I'm going to expand ourselves here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look at us. Okay. All righty. So this episode I'll be talking about, I don't know if anybody's heard of this or not. I didn't hear of it personally, but I've heard that this is more of a prominent thing that if you like live in the New York City area or the New York state, it's more of a, a well-known history piece. Well, maybe Dara knows it. She's from New York. Maybe. So this is, um, I'm going to tell you guys about the disappearance of Dorothy Arnold. So granted, this happened way back in the day. So we're talking about like early 1900s. 
Um, but it was a very, very big, big, big deal at the time. Um, and I'll kind of like dig into a little bit more of who she was and why this was such a big deal. Okay, so who was Dorothy Arnold? Dorothy Arnold was born in 1885 um, to a Mary Parks Arnold and a Francis R. Arnold. And they were actually a very wealthy family because he was a um, perfume importer. So he would get all these crazy different like scents at the time because you got to think back then it wasn't just as simple as like, I'm going to stick something on a plane and fly it over here and we're going to have it. So that was his kind of specialty was going around the world, finding different scents and different perfumes because he saw how much of a lucrative business that was for a lot of women. They wanted it to be uniquely scented. So he would be the perfume importer. So she also was related to a, his name was Rufus W. Peckham. He was actually a U.S. Supreme Court justice. Um, so very big to do family. That was her uncle. Um, and then generally speaking, so at the time, because they were so wealthy, they lived in New York City, you know, they were related to people in the government and stuff like that. They were oftentimes associated with people like, you've probably heard of like the Rockefellers, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like families like that, like, you know, very publicly known. Um, she graduated, she actually went to college. So she went to a place called Bryn Mawr College, which I believe is in Pennsylvania. Um, she did actually graduated with a degree in writing. So she was an aspiring writer. She wanted to be published. That's all she wanted to do. Like that was her goal in life was to work for a magazine. Cause those were big at the time to be able to publish articles and whatnot in like women's magazines. Um, so when not working, basically when she wasn't doing her writing, um, being that time frame. So this, we we're talking about early 1900s. She was what they call is a society girl. So they often went to like debutante balls. They went to different events. Got all dressed up, the big to do's. You know, I I always thought that it'd be like super cool to like grow up in an era like that where it was just like all old fashioned. But you know, everybody just went full glam like all the time. Like you couldn't even go shopping without being full glam. Mm -hmm. You know, go to the store. Yeah. Um, so unfortunately, as you know, you know, with the title is that she did disappear. Um, so the day she disappeared was December 12th, 1910. So at that time, she was 25 years old. Um, that day happened as she told her mom, she's like, hey, mom, like, I'm going to go. So we've all heard of Fifth, Fifth Avenue, right? Like, Fifth Avenue? Yeah. Yeah. Kinda, yeah. So in New York City, there's Fifth Avenue. It's, it's usually like the very high end shopping area, like shopping you know, like the, you have money, you're shopping there kind of thing. So she told her mom, like, Hey, I'm going to go to Fifth Avenue. She's like, you know, her sister, I guess had like some sort of like debutante ball coming up that, you know, she's like, I need to find an evening gown. Um, originally her mom said, Hey, I want to come with you, but I guess her mom just kind of had, she's more of like an, like she had illnesses left and right kind of thing. So she wasn't always feeling good. Um, so Dorothy was basically like, Hey, don't worry about it. I'll just go by myself. Like it's cold outside. It's December. You know, don't worry about it. So she's like, I'll be back. You know, I'm just going to go get a, a gown. That's all I wanted to do. Um, so just like a little tidbit, like I said, they, it was very well known when you were upscale back then. So this is a little bit of what she was wearing that day just to go shopping. Um, so she had a blue, like a dark blue tailor-made suit. Love. Yes. With a black velvet hat, a long blue coat over the top. And she, um, carried a black fox muff which i believe oh, the, the thing that you put the hands in yeah the fur yes and it was black which i'm like hell yeah Ooh, okay i like the black and blue thing going she had mm -hmm. you know the darkness i liked it so i was like "Ooh, i like her already 
Um, but yeah, so I mean, if you, imagine just seeing a woman like that dressed like that walking down, of course, Fifth Avenue, you're like, you know, she's got money. She's someone. She's someone, yes. Um, so yeah, like I said, she's out buying a new gown. Um, but it was odd. So instead of straight, like heading straight to the store, you know, like somebody you thought would, because that was her goal that day, she made a couple pit stops and let's just say she's my kind of girl. Oh, okay. Yes. So first, Dorothy was seen. Um, it's a place called Park in Tilford, which I guess is on 59th Street, and it is actually a candy shop. Okay, we love some candy. Yep, so she went there and bought her some chocolates. Yes. I'm like, go Dorothy, yes. I would do that too. Then she was seen shopping at a bookstore. Like, hell yeah, girl, get yourself some chocolates and some books. Apparently, this is the best part. She was buying a humor book, air quotes here. A humor book. A humor book. And it was entitled, like the title of the book was An Engaged Girl Sketches. I'm like, I just want to like Google, like, what what is the book about an engaged girl sketches? Yeah. I mean, buy it. And how it's a humor book. And then you can like get into her head a little bit. Like, what was she like? Yeah. Like, what? I mean, she's, clearly she's over there buying some chocolates for herself. Like, was she going to have herself like Treat a night out, you know? Treat yourself. I was like, oof, my kind of girl. Right there. I would have made those two pit stops any day, too. Which I always thought was funny. Like, have you ever like, gone to a bookstore and, like, noticed that they always do, like, sell some sort of, like, chocolate or candy there? Mm-hmm. For a reason. Yeah. It's for people like me, Shannon. It's for people like her, Shannon. Yes. <laughs> so. Barnes and Noble's Barnes and yeah, Bar- <laughs> hey, hey, if I can even get, you know, a 50% off birth book every month for getting sponsored, I would die a happy person. Or better yet, if we could get a discount code that other people could use at Barnes Noble. Hey. Or Audible. We're, let's, we're here. It's fine. Yes. Books are my friend. Um. Anyways. <laughs> so as she's leaving the bookstore, she runs into her friend named Gladys King. So Gladys King actually... To this day, is the last person to see Dorothy alive. So, according to Gladys, Dorothy had ran into her. And she's like, "Hey, you know, it seemed totally fine." You know, mm-hmm. she was talking to her about how, like, what her plans were for the day. That she needed to get a ball gown and all this stuff, and she was just making a couple of pit stops. But then she left a little bit of information too, and that was that she talked about, you know, I just feel like I want to take a like a, a walk through Central Park on my way home before I head home. Sure. I mean, sure, you know, maybe she was filming up for a little adventure. She had her chocolates and her book, you know. Maybe also wanted some inspiration for her writing that night, you know. Who knows? So she told uh, Gladys that, hey, I'm just going to walk through Central Park to on my way home. Just kind of casually talking. Now, unfortunately, as nighttime fell, back then, especially when you're living with your family, it was always a big to-do to have family dinner. You always had family dinner. People were always a part of it. So immediately, once dinner happened, Dorothy hadn't shown up. And towards the nighttime, it was apparent that, you know, something was wrong because she never missed an evening dinner. She would always be like, hey, I'm not going to be home or hey, I'm traveling, that kind of thing. So her family's like, so there's just something not right. So they started to kind of worry, sort of worry okay the sort of worry always gets me the sort of um so i'll kind of dig into the odd things that kind of happen after dorothy disappeared and a lot of it unfortunately has to do with her family doesn't matter of course yes 
I'll take a sip of my wine before I dig into this family shenanigans. We also have matching tattoos. <laughs> well, they're not matching. We have tattoos at the same time. We do have matching tattoos. We though. do, yeah. We have the finger. This is what I got, though. <laughs> it looks like marker. I promise it's not marker. It's just fresh. Yeah, very fresh. Hers is beautiful. It says a lot, though, for people I can't hit my hand like that yeah there's definitely a meaning behind it maybe i'll make a post about it i drove from california over here yesterday to celebrate her birthday and that's the first thing we did when i got here i was like okay so we're gonna go now i mean fucked off and got tattoos and then had pizza yep and a cannoli successful for it delicious (laughs) i know we need to yeah it was in downtown phoenix they have one in scottsdale going on yeah but yeah so we, we were, actually, our goal was to try to get Friday the 13th tattoos because it was Friday the 13th. They were doing it. They were doing it in October. So she better be here for October. Oh, um, wherever I am, someone's going to do it. Yeah. But anyways, they were still able to take us in as walk-ins. It was a wonderful place. Like, they were super welcoming. Mm-hmm. And we got in and out of there in like an hour. So from getting out of the parked car to leaving the tattoo shop took a wonderful hour. You can't beat that. So super fast. I will say to you guys, the top of the hand, if anybody ever wants to get tattooed there, does not hurt at all. The hand doesn't hurt. It does not. So, like, on a zero to ten pain scale for us nurses, it's probably like a two. <laughs> on the nurse scale of pain. On the nurse scale of pain, probably like a one or two. Yeah. So, anywho's. Okay. So, back to my story. So, immediately after she disappeared... Dorothy's family decided, hey, let's make a couple phone calls to some family friends. You know, those are the people that know her the best. So let's see if maybe they've heard of her, you know, where she's gone or whatnot. So, of course, as they're making all these calls, nobody's like, I don't know where she's at, you know. And then people start getting alarmed. They're like, well, where's Dorothy at? Like, oh, my gosh. Like, where could she be? Not in Uh, Kansas. Yeah. Unfortunately not. (laughs) Um. So there was one uh, rumor that went around. Well, actually, there's probably a lot of truth to it. So one of the family friends did come forward down the line saying that they always thought it was really odd because that night that they got the phone call when the family was wondering where Dorothy was, I guess that she had called back probably, I assume probably hours later sure, to see like, hey, did you guys ever find her? Because, you know, they're worried about her. And at the time, she said, when I called back asking her family if they had found her, they were like, oh, yeah, 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 she's back home. Kind of like a same face thing. Yeah. It was a lie. Yeah. Which clearly was definitely a lie. But they were like, oh, yeah, don't worry. She's back home. It's fine. Everything's fine. Okay, that's sus. But because they're socialites, I'm not saying I condone it, but I can understand a piece of, like, saving space. But still, like, we're going to continue to search for her, but we don't want other people to worry and get involved. Like, it's not a good thing. No. No, and unfortunately, that you're you pretty much hit the nail on the head there. Ooh. Like, unfortunately, with her family being that's the prominent people that they were, they were basically overtly con- con- concerned about the public about their image. Yeah, basically about like the whole publicity of it and it being like this whole circus, you know, kind of thing. But in the long run, it's just it makes them seem more sus, really, as you would say. Oh yeah, what's funny is. Me and John, I, I'm helping John with his, my boyfriend does like, dun, he's a dungeon master. He's like D&D with his friends and stuff. And I'm helping him do some exercises because he's trying to get better at creating characters and like 
one of the characters looks like this flamboyantly. I called him flamboyantly annoying in my notes, you know? And um, so he's trying to get more confident and better with that kind of thing. But this, the story, this guy approaches like my character and like my sidekick basically. And he's like, oh, my friend, she's a socialite. She went missing from this other bar that we frequent. And um, her family really wants to find her, but they're kind of like, but they're in the same boat. Like they really want to find her, but they're not really doing everything in their power to find her. Like they're keeping it hush hush. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, okay. So she knows information that they don't want other people to know. So they want to find her, but probably dead or alive. They don't care. Right. Because it's all about image, really. It, exactly. It's like, and that's sad. You there's know? turmoil in the, in the prestigious family. In the That better have been caught on up. There we go. <laughs> Darcy also bought me a ginormous thing of champagne for me to open on my birthday. So be prepared for like there will be there will be content. Yes, there will be, be all content. the all the reels. You know, there's this line. I got, it had kind of five kind of balls. It's called Lefty, and I'm a lefty. As my mom would ask every time Darcy comes into town if she's a lefty or not. Mind you, we've been friends for 10 plus years. And every time I see her mom, at some point during her visit, she asks if I'm a lefty. It surprises her every time, which I just find endearing. <laughs> it doesn't bother me at any way. I just think it's fun. Yeah. All right. Continuing. Anyways. So. The next day. This is now the following day. Her family decides, okay, she's still not here, so what now? <laughs> so who do you think they call, Darcy? Ghostbusters. They probably would have had more success with that. But, no, nope, they called their family attorney. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, because, like, the ball's coming up, and yeah. she's not going to be at the ball. Yeah. Her sister's ball. Yeah. So what do they do? But, you know, call the attorney, you know? Not the police. Oh, the attorney. Yeah. Which, by the way, his name is uh, John Keith. Just FYI, people. John, he is two. I hate there were two first names. Two first names, yep. John Keith. His last name is Keith. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yep. No offense to the John Keiths out there. You didn't choose that, but yeah. parents are dicks. Literally, in my notes, I'm like, sigh. Yeah, two first names. Get out of here. Not only that, but really, the attorney, come on. You know, what are they going to do to help? Nothing. They're going to help cover your ass when people come sniffing around. Yeah, but if you're innocent, you don't need your ass covered. I mean, innocent people end up in jail all the time. True. That's very true. Um, it says, to avoid the media spectacle, they assume that their daughter's disappearance would, you know, kind of just stay like quiet hush-hush. Unfor- unfortunately, what they decided was, um, we're going to wait six weeks. They waited six six weeks to tell the police okay that's like real sus (laughs) that's like real sus i'm like okay i understand like you want to like wait a few days wait like six days but even like why'd you wait six days they waited six weeks did they think that she was just like out of sight out of mind like people just forget she She existed i mean no 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 People don't just forget people. Oh my gosh. Let me get back to my notes here. I forget that your computer is not touch screen like mine. So I'm like, I want to touch it. 
but you cannot can touch it. It won't do anything. Though. Icarus. Okay, so that okay, I did forget though to tell you that her family did try, which I mean, oh well, um, thank you. By try, I mean they decided, of course, hire their own um, private investigators. Yeah. Okay, okay, that I understand. If you want to hire your own police team because they have more of an incentive to do the in-depth discuss, like digging, but like let's be honest, in American society, the rich and powerful are going to have the most success in these investigations. I'm not saying they're going to be happy with the result if there is one, but it's like if LAPD, like if Kim Kardashian goes to fucking LAPD and is like, my fucking kid is missing, like Northwest went Southeast. I don't know what the fuck is. (laughs) Gotcha. Um, They're going to put everyone on it. But if like Joe Schmo from down the street says like, my kids missing they're like well look did you wait 72 hours or 48 hours or whatever the fuck like it's different if you have money you get more you get more specialized attention yeah which i mean but my thing is is that logically the way i, way I would have thought is like okay like if i'm a celebrity quote unquote or like a well-to-do person back then and my loved one goes missing i'm gonna use the fact that i'm a well-known person to publicly put it out sooner rather than later because it's right. going to get all that attention sooner rather than later in hopes that they're fucking still alive. Right. And you can easily be like, what, if you're worth, if you're worth like $3 billion, you're like, oh, I'm going to offer a $50,000 reward mm-hmm. for any information that leads us to finding so-and-so, you're probably going to have better success. Yeah. 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 Which, you know, I'll see, I'll, I'll get into detail what all her family did, but it's like, the principle is, is that. I just don't agree with the fact that they waited as long as they did because maybe the outcome may have been different had they not. You know, they decided to wait and care about their image, really. And with, most time in missing persons cases, what happens? Well, and there's a whole reason why that there is a show called First 48 because the, the, the biggest the biggest outcomes you're going to get are within the first 48 hours. Especially back then. I'm sorry, what, what year range are we in right now? 1910. Yeah. Like, before fucking even fingerprints were a fucking thing. Yeah. Like, Jack the Ripper still hung off the press. Yeah. Um, but, so remember the other night when I was telling you, I was like, you know when you make a really funny typo? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So the private investigators, <laughs> they were a company called the Pinkertons. And if you guys look at your laptop or, like, your keyboard, you'll notice that the O and the P are right next to each other. Yeah. I literally died laughing to myself by myself in this room alone because I typed Oinkertons instead. You weren't alone. I was next to you. No, this is before. Oh, this is before because you had notes. I didn't have notes. <laughs> I was saying she decided this. And then yeah. I was like, I have no notes, but I can do notes. So we got wine drunk last night while I did notes. Yes. And I finished up my notes, but and I had to tell you. Oinkertons. Yeah. Oinkertons. Yes. Classic. So now every time I see this research and I look at the Pinkertons and I'm like, oh. <laughs> Winkertons. You know, I think that it's the little things, you know? Okay, I'm not wrong. I did an episode before you came on that the Pinkertons were in on. No, yeah, they were like, it's like they were famous. It's almost like the Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. They were yeah. they were fucking famous. Yeah. And it was this dude. Oh, I'm gonna have to go find it. But it was this dude who's like he killed a bunch of people and he like fled across. I can't. I cannot believe I'm blanking on this. Was it AJ? Am I been AJ Holmes? 
actually it could have been yeah it might have been my first episode because i mean this is in new york city here we're talking about too yeah go back those in episode one angie chelms and his murder mansion yeah the pinkertons were like very well known so like i mean they were pricey too but of course you know them being yeah, the rich yeah. people that they were you know pinkertons sure thanks so i will kind of go into what the pinkertons did find. yes yes so they obviously searched everywhere. They like all the hospitals, all the police stations, all even the morgues. They were just searching sure. everywhere, you know. Um, they also looked into her room too. So in her room, they found a couple of suspicious things. So the first bit of suspicious things that they saw were these friendly letters, air quote, friendly letters from a man named George C. Griscom junior by the way he was a junior by the way so i'm telling you that dorothy is 25 years old this man was 42 he was an engineer very cool yeah but he also lived with his parents back in pennsylvania were his parents rich that i don't know but i'm like like if you're an engineer at the boom of the century unless he's there taking care of his parents then i could be like okay i could value that but right but like my parents live with me yeah, he lived with his parents. Like, I take care of my parents. Like, if if John was like, oh, I'm an engineer and I live in my mom's basement, I'd be like... Yeah, that just completely X's out the engineer part. Yeah, I'd be like, what kind of... Like, what kind of... A paper engineer? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I'd be like... Yeah. So, but he lived in Pennsylvania, and I guess these were very friendly letters. So these letters revealed that Arnold, so Dorothy Arnold and Griscom were in regular com, like communication leading up to Dorothy's disappearance. So people were like, mm, maybe he had something to do with it. I don't know. Did they know how she met him? So remember back when I told you how she went to that university yeah. for her writing? Yeah, that yeah. was in Pennsylvania. Oh, so they suddenly so, met at university? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Huh? Yep. But of course, when initially, like her parents actually already knew about this George guy. And they didn't like him to begin with. I don't know why. Maybe because he was 42. You know, and back then, it's almost like being royalty. You know, your your family basically sets you up with your partner. Yeah. You know, if your family doesn't approve, you're not going to be with that person. So she kept it all pretty much a secret. You know, she told them, okay, it's off. Like, we're not doing anything. But they eventually finding, they found more and more things as the years went on. Like, I guess she even, I was like, mm, she's a baddie. She took some of her parents' chocolate and shit. Yeah, she took her parents' <laughs> jewelry and pawned it so that she could spend a week in Boston with him. Even though she probably didn't even need to pawn shit. <laughs> no. But if they found out that she went to Boston, then she'd be fucked. So pawning it for cash. Somehow they still found out. I mean, I'm sure it's because Dorothy's an OG, man. She tried. She's an OG. I give her respect. Anyway. Yeah, I know. I'm like, I love this girl. Like so she was kind of the whining and dining of the mystery man from her life. Yeah. She knew what she wanted. And she's like, I want this loser who lives in his mom's basement. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. But you know, Hey, I'm going to spend all this money and pawn my parents shit. So I'm like, all right, whatever, girly. Uh, but yeah, so she often spent time just trying to find ways to visit George, you know, I don't know. Maybe he was super attractive or hot. Who knows? George. Maybe she was more interested in him because her parents opposed it so much. There is that, you know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So now we're going to kind of speed up to the whole 
fast forward to six weeks after she disappeared. This is the actual public investigation as it goes forward. So the New York Police Department first publicly stated that they believe Dorothy was still alive. Um, and it was simply just like a missing person. So they posted up all the flyers, you know, getting all the public to be known. I mean, like this went, even back then in like 1910, this went basically worldwide in like a blink of an eye in remember, that time. There's no telephone, like there's no cell phones. No. There's no internet. You had to be very wealthy to have a phone kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, you had to be wealthy to own a telephone in yeah. your home. And it wasn't like. You know, a phone that we know nowadays, like you literally have to probably dial an operator who would connect you to, you know, whatever. Yeah. So this is like your newspapers are really like your people. I mean, I guess magazines, but like newspapers and tabloids were the only things getting your story out. Yeah. So she was plastered everywhere, front page, you know, that kind of thing. And they were calling her missing persons. The odd thing is, though, is that this is six weeks, you know, into the actual disappearance. While the police are saying that they believe she's still a missing person. Um, no, Dorothy's father decides to publicly announce, I disagree with the police department. I believe she's dead. I actually know she's dead. I know she's dead. Yeah. I firmly believe and know she, that she's dead. I know she's, it's the no for me. Yeah. Um, so he actually filed an affidavit saying that, you know, I don't agree with the police department or their investigation. Like my, my child is dead. So then why go to the police in the first place? Maybe the attorney told them to. Yeah, because like, well, you're real, real fucking guilty. Yeah. Well, he publicly made a statement saying that, you know, I firmly believe my daughter was murdered. And murdered. yeah. Okay. Yes. He literally said I know that. she's dead and I believe she was murdered. Mm-hmm. And quote unquote, I will spend every dollar I have in the world to avenge her death. So. Mind you, though, they also waited six weeks to actually say something to the public, so. So this is the story that her father believes now. So her father firmly believed that his daughter was killed in, um, or murdered, I should say, in Central Park. Because of that tidbit of information from Gladys King, um, he's like, that's it. She was murdered in Central Park. And you know where she is at? She was, her body was dumped in the Central Park Reservoir. So for people that don't know, it's just a big body of water, body of water in Central Park because it needs something to, you know, water all those plants and trees and shit in the middle of a city. Um, well, there's one little um, issue with that, Darcy. You want to guess what that issue is with I'm that theory? The reservoir isn't just public access. Mm, it is, oh. but no. I gave them too much credit in 1910. Sorry. Dorothy's, Dorothy's father didn't realize or didn't put the two and two together that at the time, it was December, I think, 10th. So nothing was getting watered. Not just that, but the fucking thing was frozen. The whole reservoir was frozen. It was like 28 degrees okay i have a theory i'm going way ahead i have a theory he hired someone to kill his daughter and originally said that he wanted her thrown in the reservoir and that was it like that was that was the plan but because it's fucking december and it was frozen she couldn't have been dumped in the reservoir that's my theory and i think dad is involved That's Maybe too oddly I mean, specific i mean you gotta think though too here she was like canoodling with fucking george over here and they did not you know, want that. Right, but George gains nothing by murdering her. No, and I don't think George did anything personally, but I mean, you'll see. I mean, there are some theories with George too, but also you got to think like their whole focus is their public image. Well, he's doing a bad job of maintaining it. Like, 
the 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 saddened father yeah but come on but you know how many times like even celebrities nowadays too they think that they're doing the right thing and all of us are like are you fucking kidding me like so maybe in her dad's eyes like he was doing the right thing the entire time but to everybody else they're like this happened six weeks ago like (laughs) see i don't know man i feel like the poor play would have been like here's what confuses me it's like if you're gonna go public right if you're gonna go to the police you're gonna go public about it because they could have been like we don't want this to be public and they're like well you're really famous this is really public they should have done a press conference like with um what's her name i'll to cover it sometime the disappearance of the little girl blonde girl who did the pageants oh um, i don't know exactly what i'm talking about yes okay it'll come to me it'll blow up in the comments time yeah so I say don't blow up in the comments like the Kevin. It's like it's literally gonna come to me as soon as I'm like. I know. I on the tip of my. If I blur like, out a very weird like, name, yeah, like Joan, like Joan, John Benet Ramsey. Thank you. Fuck John Benet Ramsey. It's like that. It's like you go public and you do whatever. Yeah. But to get the police involved and then say I publicly just it looks really bad. Like yeah, you don't have to agree with them, but what you do as the grieving parent is you weed but you don't because it makes him look callous and like he doesn't care yeah that's what that does but whatever what do i know yeah i don't have dead kids so remember how you were talking about like though like how he was gonna he's supposed to like offer x amount of you know money or whatever because i will drain my savings avenge your death yeah exactly um he did though he did offer a thousand dollar reward at the time which uh was the equivalent about thirty thousand dollars today so okay okay no but so for any clues that they could get, which of course nobody ever really had anything substantial. So uh, continuing on. So now we're going to go into um, all of the theories and conspiracies. So these are my favorite part, really, honestly, because I'm like, I always like to pick people's brain. I'm like what they believe and what they think happened. Because unfortunately, I will kind of end the story in that this, the reason why this is such a popular topic and it's such a popular story is that it's one of the, like in the early years of New York City and when everything was really starting to boom and everything, she was like the biggest disappearance at the time. Like everybody knew about, like I said, it went totally worldwide. Like unfortunately it was never solved. Like this is true to like this day, one of the very unsolved mysteries that nobody knows, like nobody, you know, nobody came forward with anything of true validity as to what happened to Dorothy. Um, but there are plenty of theories out there. So the first theory I'll be going to talk about talk to you guys about and kind of pick your brain about is the theory of suicide so here's this theory so it's kind of sad so dorothy like i said she had graduated college she became she wanted to be a writer like that was her dream and her goal so when the pinkertons were doing their investigation not only did they find the letters to george and stuff like that but as they're going through dorothy's space they found that she had a bunch of like burned manuscripts in her room and it was kind of sad so she spent years basically writing, you know, different pieces and stuff like that, submitting and stuff like that. And she got basically rejection after rejection after rejection. Sure. So she actually spent years writing and never once got published. And that killed her. Like she was so like disheartened from that, you know, she's like, I see myself as a failure and like, look at me and like, I'm supposed to be in this like successful family and I can't even get published in a magazine, you know, all this stuff. 
Um, so she even like had a journal that she wrote entries in. And this is one of kind of like the sad ones that made them kind of lean towards that suicidal um, ending, basically. It says, well, it, meaning the story, has come back. McClure's has turned me down. McClure's is being a magazine. Failure stares me in the face. All I can see ahead is a long road with no turning. Mother will always think an accident has happened. Oh, she was an accident being born. Or an accident in her death. Instead of a suicide. Mm. Is what they were kind of gathering that as. And so that's the last thing she wrote? That was one of her journal entries. But not the last thing she wrote. I don't, they didn't specify if it was the last thing per se. But that's something that they found. Okay. So, um, George kind of also said that, you know, she was having a really hard time with depression because of that. Cause you know, it's hard to get rejected time and time and time and time and time again, especially when this is like, I went to college for this, like, what the fuck? So, you know, she was having a hard time with that. But what I don't believe when it comes to the whole suicide theory is that like all of her things that she was doing leading up to that don't make sense. So, you know, and I, I know everybody's different when it comes to like when people commit suicide but even when she ran into like gladys king like she was talking about i'm going to take a stroll through like central park and then i'm going to go buy this gown for my sister's ball and i bought myself some chocolates and a book to read like that doesn't like it just doesn't add up to somebody who's like i'm just gonna commit suicide right and if she saw someone she knew the last thing she want to do is approach them right i mean i just and also there was no note. Like, I know not all suicides have notes, but in in socialite fashion of the 1910s, like, sure. Oh, yeah. It would have sure. been the, 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 the dr- early 20th the century. The dramatic. Fucking sure. You know. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, personally, I don't think she had enough. I, and this is me totally being callous because I've never been suicidal. I don't know what that's like. And I don't. I don't fault for anyone who's had that, regardless of the walk of life they have. Mm-hmm. But based on the information they have, like she doesn't have a reason to be suicidal. I mean, yes, like her dream is to be published, but like Mary Shelley went under a man's name and got published. Like I can, I can't unfathom that didn't cross her mind. What might upset her is that her name didn't help her get published, or maybe she didn't use her last name. Maybe she wanted to be published on her own, like whatever 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 because if her family is so prestigious if an editor or whatever got that it's like this is from this family who's going to tell them not to publish that right so maybe she wanted that for herself so i don't know i don't really think that there was enough motive for suicide right and not only that but like i mean i know everybody's different too she's still pretty early on young like she's 25 you know and it's like Sure, she's probably submitted, you know, numerous different documents and different writings and stuff like that to be published, but she still has a long road ahead of her. I mean, we know so many writers that it's like they they don't even get published until they're in their like later years of life. And they're still a well, well-known publisher, you know, or, or a writer, I should say. And it's like just because it happens later on and it takes you like X amount of years to get to that point doesn't mean that it's not going to be the best part of your life or what you're known for. Yeah. It just it's a journey, really. So and I'm, and I, I truly believe in my heart that she knew that. And like like all of her friends and stuff were saying, like, well, just that part doesn't add up because she was so looking forward to different events that were coming up in the weeks to come that it's like typically you see clues and stuff like that. And for me, like, you know, I have had those kind of thoughts before. And it's like 
you don't want to publicly talk to people or, you know, be out there and making plans with anybody really. And it's like, it, it, that part just didn't make any sense. That would just, I, I didn't, that was the first one I was like, eh, no. I mean, it's an easy cop out. Yeah. So the second theory is one that's also very like popular one, which is abduction. So we've all heard, you know, especially, I mean, if you can imagine, like I said, I, I went into description of what she was wearing, walking down to, to Fifth Avenue, you know, you know, like I said, she can clearly be spotted out as somebody who has money. Um, so that's what a lot of people believed is that, you know, somebody had seen her walking by herself in the middle of winter, you know, maybe she was even in Central Park at the time and realized, hey, I could fucking, I can kidnap this like lady right here. And, you know, or maybe they even recognized her and knew who she was to try to get some money. And somehow maybe that went wrong. Um, when it finally went public, I mean, that's the thing that sucks is that when it finally went public, this is things that happened afterwards. So they were able to clearly like X them out was of course, once the public knew they claimed like, I have Dorothy and you need to give me like $5,000 of course, or whatever in order to get her back. And like her family's like, it's already been six weeks. Like, but so then that eliminates kidnapping because no one's contacted us in six weeks. Right. So it's like people were obviously just kind of like trying to grab for money. Sure. And her family kind of knew that that was going to happen. And I hate to say like, that was a smart play on their part. But it's so kind of shitty. It's like, if you care more about ruling, here's what I don't get. If you care more about ruling out fake kidnappers, the moment your daughter goes missing, that tells me you know something. Yeah. I'm not saying they did, but I'm just saying, like, if you're going to use the whole, like, well, we waited six weeks, it's like, yeah, why did you wait six weeks? Yeah. I, and, you know, I can't entirely rule out the whole abduction thing because maybe she did. I mean, maybe they did plan on abducting her and something went wrong and whatnot. Well, maybe they never intended to use her for ransom. Yeah. Maybe they just wanted her expensive shit that she was wearing. Or they wanted her. Maybe she fit a typographic. Yeah. I also read, too, I don't know if I have it in my notes here, but she was carrying, like, I think it was, like, $300 or something like that on her at the time. Or not 300 It was $30. Actually, it's only $30 she had on her because she was going out to buy a ball gown, right? But if you think about it, this is 1910. So, actually, back then, in that time, $30 was, like, the equivalent of, like, $800. Oh, shit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like what? A thousand dollars was thirty thousand. Yeah, I mean, it was like it was a vastly more money than what you would think thirty dollars really was. Well, but yeah, then back then, working for like pennies. Yeah, so I was like, whoa, you know, I mean, if somebody saw that on her, they probably were like jackpot, you know? Yeah. Some, I mean, maybe they abducted her, got her money, got all of her clothes and stuff like that, and somehow she died. I don't know. That's kind of more what I thought was logical. And so now we're going to go into, of course, the shit of was Dorothy murdered, which is what her father believes. So five yeah, years, we're going to like fast forward five fucking years here to when this is now what it would be 1915. Yeah. She was, went missing in 1910. Yes. Okay. Yep. On track. Math is hard. Okay. Got mm-hmm. it. So there's this guy named Edward Glenn Norris that came forward. So he was spending time um, in a Rhode Island state penitentiary kind of deal in a prison. Um, and he made a confession. And I don't know if this was like an, 
you know, try to get a deal kind of situation or what. I don't know that part. But per Edward, he was paid $250, which was probably, that's like a lot of money. The 30 is 800. Yeah. Shit loads of money. 250 would probably be like 10 grand. Yeah. Just to get rid of a woman's body. So according to Edward, though, this monsters. Yeah, maybe. So according to Edward, uh, this woman's body basically matched to the T, like the description of Dorothy. The damning part of it, though, was that he even knew that there's like this, I don't know if it's signet or signet or whatever. It's a special ring. I think it's like almost like a like a monogram type ring that she was wearing. He was able to say like, hey, I know she was wearing this ring at the time of her disappearance. And like, what's her name called? Like signet. Signet. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a signet ring. Yeah. If we're wrong, tell us. Yeah. So. That's what she was wearing. And when like the police heard that, they're like, wait a minute, you know, you knew about the ring that she was wearing when she disappeared. So it's like maybe he had some sort of truth there. But did all families have those at the time? Right. Or, you know, was she just known to always wear that? Because you know, she was somebody who was in the social eye oftentimes. So it's like but if it's a, if it's something she's known to wear, that's not yeah, that's not damning evidence. Or if it's something all socialites were wearing at the time, that's not damning evidence. Right, right. So it's like, mm, how that's what I wish I would have known too. Is like how unique was this ring, like, right? And how much detail did he give regarding this ring that she was wearing? I don't know. Um, but I also thought it was a little. I had to laugh a little bit because I'm also a child on the inside. That when I found out where he was told to transport her, I had to giggle a little bit because it's um, a town called Weehawken. She was like, <laughs> Weehawken, 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 New Jersey. Um, New Jersey. And- <laughs> Sorry for anybody close to Weehawken. No one in Weehawken listens to our podcast. <laughs> Someday they will. New Jersey's on there, but I don't think they're in Weehawken. Weehawken, if that still exists. I don't know. I mean, if you're in Weehawken, let us know. We'll shout you out. Yeah. You just gotta tell Is us. That, or maybe it's Weehawken. You gotta tell us. No, I like Weehawken. It's probably, you tell us how to pronounce it. It's probably Weehawken. It's literally W-E-E. So I'm like, Weehawken. <laughs> Weehawken. <laughs> It's, it's a fun <laughs> word to say, let me tell you. I think it should be in Texas. Weehawk in Texas nope. makes more sense than Weehawk in New Jersey. Weehawk in New Jersey. One of my favorite ASMR is Jenny Boy. Because she she got, people loved, she's not from New Jersey, maybe she is, I don't know. But she got, like, people loved her when she would do, like, this New Jersey accent for ASMRs so <laughs> often it comes out and that's one of the the big words which is eyeballs the better part even too is that guess guess who um paid this um Edward Glenn Norris a man named little Louie was Louie little <laughs> I think Louie's probably very big and he was called little Louie because that's what you do when somebody's like very large I mean that's the nickname his ex-wife gave him <laughs> <laughs> Where was he little, you know? Was he a large man with a little something or other, you know? I don't He's know. Compensating. He had a big carriage. But yeah, so little Louie paid Glenn Norris $250 to get rid of her body. So this is where it gets a little foggy. He said, well, initially, yeah, it's even more foggy. So according to Edward, he's like, well, at first she was alive when he transported her. She was just kind of like knocked out. So she's like, yeah, he was alive at first. So I took her to this house in Weehawken. 
He's like, I was told but that the next day I had to go back and murder her, basically kill her and give her the body. So he's like, all right. So I dropped her off there. Cool. Left. When he came back the next day, he was like, okay, assuming that this is going to be, she's going to be alive and I'm going to fucking murder her and bury her to get my $250. Well, he, when he gets there, he says there were two men there. And unfortunately, the female was actually already dead. He's like, well, I still got my money. I do it. What do I do now? Because I don't have to murder her because she's already dead. So he's describing that the two individuals that were in the home and one of the descriptions that he gave police say matched almost to a T the way that George Griscom Jr., her boyfriend, looked at the time. Okay, but what does he get out of killing her? I mean, like, is it an emotional thing? It's not financial gain because her parents could fucking care less about him. So the second person, according to Edward, in that house was referred to as Doc. Martin? Unfortunately not, but like doc, as in like doctor. Doc. Hey, doc. The doc. All right. Yeah. So supposedly what the story was, according to Edward, is that he didn't realize that what he was transporting Dorothy for was for an air quote operation. Well, to take her kidneys? Come on. Not quite. The liver. So when he came back the following day to quote unquote murder her after this operation, she was already dead from the operation because it went wrong. But operation for what? Was she pregnant? That's botched what, abortion. That's what everybody's thinking is that it was a botched that's the abortion. Whole logical explanation. But why kidnap her then? Maybe she wasn't really kidnapped per se. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe she went willingly to the doctor place. Yeah. But according to, I don't know, yeah, according to Glenn Norris, he is like, yeah, I buried her in a cellar. I'm like, so he just wants some notoriety, I feel. Maybe, yeah. So, um, of course, that takes the police on a wild goose chase, trying to find these homes in um, Wee Hopkins. And guess what? They don't find anything. No, they, you know, dig up a bunch of cellars, find nothing. Um, so of course Dorothy's father's like, yeah, no, that's fucking false. I don't believe that shit. But she's still dead. But that's not false. Yeah, she's dead, but not by that. She's in the reservoir. But really, that does lead into the following theory, which is the botched abortion theory. That's the most logical. Um. So this this one was kind of like given some more validity. It was years later. So now we're talking. We're fast forwarding to April 1916. So this is six years now. After she had died or disappeared. Um, and there's a doctor out there. His name is Dr. Lutz. Dr. Lutz came forward basically stating like, hey, I work in this building. That's the same building that a Dr. Meredith works out of. Dr. Meredith um, was rumored to be an illegal abortion doctor, basically. And where the doctor worked out of was, quote unquote, it had a nickname. <laughs> the nickname it had was the House of Mystery. Okay. This is like a swingers club, but all right. Yeah. But, or a panic at the disco song, but you tell me. Yeah. So apparently the reason why I got that name was that uh, there are numerous females that would walk into said office and somehow mysteriously have been disappeared. So they walk in and don't walk out. Basically. House of mystery. Um, so I guess one day Dr. Lentz was talking to Dr. Meredith because they'd run into each other, you know, and they're like, oh, we work in the same building. Let's just chit chat, you know, and maybe they were drinking or something, whatever. And Dr. Meredith kind of like 
let it slip that, hey, you know, I had this client, I think it was Dorothy, and while well, she died, you know, during the abortion. So what they do with the the bodies of the women that they don't want, you know, public knowing that they died having this botched illegal abortion, I guess there were two furnaces in that building because you know, dump them in the furnace. It's fucking cold over there. You just dump them in the furnace and they incinerate all, you know, the whole body and you And no one reported a smell. I mean, it was like a medical office building, I think, kind of deal. Right, but like dead body. Mm. Like dead body smell. Like that's part of the complaints that HH Holmes had. Yeah. So yeah, people are believing that, you know, one of these many times that Dorothy spent that money to go visit George, she got pregnant basically by George. See, that theory, that's a theory I can, I I won't get behind, but I can like, that's more plausible than the other ones. Right. And that's what I want to know though. Was it her family that forced her to get this abortion or was it George? Oh, no, I don't think, here's the thing. I believe it's more the family than George. Here's what. Her family, according to whatever, thought that George was out of the picture. So if her family assumes out of the picture, if she turns up and is like, yeah, well, now I'm pregnant, she would have lied and said George doesn't know because she's protecting him. Because mm-hmm. if she's going to continue to defy her family and see George, she's going to lie to her family that he knows. So then her family is going to say, okay, well, you need to go do the thing. Mm-hmm. We That's... He's not in the society, like, we're not going to have a bastard, like, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then she dies. And they're like, oh, fuck. We need to have a story, right? right? So they take their time. They call their attorney. They draft up whatever they need to do. Mm-hmm. Hire the Oinkertons. Oinkertons. Right. And then her enraged father is going to say that she was murdered because he's angry because he blames George for getting his daughter pregnant. So he's going to believe, in my opinion, that George murdered his daughter, mm. even though it was the doctor. Yeah. Had he never gotten pregnant. pregnant then, I mean, you know, like, the chicken versus the egg shit, you exactly. know? So I don't think, I mean, but again, what does George gain? Like, if he got her pregnant, he gains everything. Yeah. So I don't see why he would tell her to get an abortion. Right. Because she's she, so rich. Yeah, she has he a could be fat like, inheritance. He could be like, peace out. And her family would be like, okay. Yeah. Like, it's, if it was the other way around, I get that. Yeah. And annoyingly, I get that. But not, not this not this service. No. So, of course, even after the aftermath of even that, I mean, this goes on for like well over a decade. Um, the family receives numerous postcards and different sure. things like that for people basically trying to play as like Dorothy's doppelganger saying like, I'm Dorothy, I received the inheritance, you know, because there's always that. Um, which unfortunately the, the family at the time were all like, no, 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 it's not Dorothy. No, you know, like people just kept going left and right at them just to get their money, which is sad, but they luckily were able to prove them all false. There's a jeweler, I guess, all the way over across the country in California that heard of the story, too. And they're like, I sold a wedding ring to somebody who was just like Dorothy. So I believe it was Dorothy. And they tried to, like, make that claim, too, that she was all the way in California. And they were wrong. Well, they had nothing to substantiate it. So they had no proof, really. Like, I mean, do we know? I mean, maybe she did run away. Who knows? You know, like, was she that unhappy with the life that she was living there that she decided to run across country to California? Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? But 
down the road, we're talking, I mean, many, many, many years later, Francis Arnold, so Dorothy's dad, did stay true to his belief that she was dad. Like he just, maybe it's just like that parent instinct that they know. Sure. Maybe he saw like a psychic, you know, that was very hot and popular back in that day. Spiritualists. Spiritualists, you know, maybe they told him that she was dead or what. Um. It didn't take super long, though, which was odd, too, that I was reading, like, after that, you know, when they waited the six weeks, and then the police made it public, and then all that stuff started happening, that, believe it or not, once after the six weeks when it came public, shortly after, it wasn't like that, it wasn't even, like, years later that they closed the case, like, it was within, like, a very short period of time, that after the six weeks that she disappeared, made public, all that shit started blowing up everywhere, saying that they had Dorothy, you know, and wanting ransom letters and all the stuff. Then, like, it was, like, within weeks, all of a sudden, the police department, like, put out a, like, like a notice saying that, oh, we have closed the case. So that's what I found really odd. The family probably said that we're fine with it. Yeah, that's what I think, too, is that. And even, like, I forget, they interviewed one guy, too, that was a part of, like, the police department and stuff like that. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, they were probably, you know, bullshitting that. Like, they had absolutely no proof of where she was or if she was dead or alive or not. But they were probably paid to say it's closed. You sure. Know? So that's kind of sad. Um, They were never able to truly, like, tie George, her boyfriend at the time, to any kind of wrongdoing. In fact, this is actually the kicker. So when they look back at all the records and stuff like that, George was actually able to be cleared, believe it or not, because he had proof that he was in Italy at the time. So it really wasn't George that did anything because he was like, look, I was thousands of miles away in Italy. Mm-hmm. So he had like the, the plane ticket proof and all that stuff that he was not even there. And like I said, the suicidal shit, I can throw out the wall because I'm like, I, that. Any of her actions or anything like that does not scream I'm suicidal. She may have been depressed, that's for sure. Like, I get that because she was struggling, but not suicidal. So fast forward to 1922. Unfortunately, her father dies, Francis Arnold. He dies not knowing really what happened to his daughter and believing that she was dead. And then shortly after 1928, Mary Arnold dies, which is her mother. Um, I thought it was interesting, though, is that within their will itself, like, upon their deaths, Dorothy was actually completely rented, written out. So that's how firmly they believe that she was dead. That like, hey, we're dying, you know, all this inheritance on all this money. They so firmly believe that she wasn't alive that they were like, I don't think there's even a shred of chance. Mm-hmm. So we're going to write her out thing, you know, basically stating that we believe that she is dead. So that way they were saying the only reason why the family said that they did that was because any people that still continue to this day to say like they're doppelgangers and like you know that they are Dorothy kind of thing, they have no chance of getting anything. Exactly, because she's not even in a will anymore. Which also some people can flip and say that's kind of suspicious, but but also too like they had another daughter, so they probably gave it all to her. Mm. And if they didn't, and her case was still considered open, that would just sit in limbo. Until either Dorothy is found, presumed dead, or her sister died. And then everything would go to the estate. Yeah. And then the estate was right out. Yeah. So, you know, some people are like, they, a lot of people just don't understand the true motive behind her family and what their beliefs were and stuff like that and why they chose the actions that they did. 
Which it sucks because like, you know, we see it even nowadays, even too, with all these celebrities and these up to do families and stuff like that. A lot of it is truly secret, like for a reason, truly secret, like even like government workers and all this stuff. It's like they don't open up about anything that they're dealing with. And it's like, whether it be their children, their aunts, uncles, cousins, whatever, you know, it's so hush, 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 hush. Mm -hmm. Who knows? So like I said, to this day, unfortunately, nobody knows what happened to Dorothy Arnold. It's sad, you know, who knows what kind of writer she would have been. Like I said, she was my kind of girl, though. I thought we were and I would have been best friends. Mm-hmm. Her dressing in her black fox cuff and all sorts of, like, up-to-do, you know, whatever. And it's going to match you to have a black suit and a blue fox cuff? Yeah. Over. Yeah. So, I don't know. Who knows? But poor Dorothy, you know. May I mean, whatever happened to her, maybe she did live and decided to run away. Well, I think she's in the land of Oz, so. Yeah. Yeah. But that's my story for you guys. You know, like I said, maybe you are taking a killer to brunch and that maybe she was murdered. Who knows? Maybe she went to brunch. No, it was a deadly one. Yeah. I mean, she went and got her chocolate. So, I mean, I hope she at least got to enjoy a couple pieces of chocolate before she died. I mean, I envisioned her, like, reading her book and eating her chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm interested. It's interesting to me, like, did no one, because you never said anything, but did nobody go ask, like, the the shop where she was supposed to buy this dress, if she actually ever showed up? I couldn't find that bit of information. Which means no. In my opinion, that means no. Yeah. So, like, did, because that was her destination after Central Park. Yeah. That's a big piece of evidence. Did she make it from meeting with her friend? Yeah. To go into Central Park. Because to me, that means that she was murdered in Central Park then. Exactly. Or her friend told her. Like, it's like you were the last person to literally physically talk to her. Yeah. I'm like, who's this Gladys King woman, you know? Gladys. Hey, Gladys. No, hey, on Gladys. I don't think Gladys. Maybe Gladys had a crush on George. Maybe Gladys was supposed to be her roommate for the next 50 years. Yeah. Yes. Hey, yeah. the glasses of the world. It's all right. We see you. Oh gosh. Well, wherever you are, Dorothy, I wish you the best. You're welcome to join us. We're going to take a short intermission because it's going to be a long one. It's going to be a one and done. You get two for the price of one, and uh, <laughs> I'm going to do that from now on. Ah. Anyway. So we're going to take a short intermission and then we'll be back with my story. Thanks for hearing my story, guys. Bravo. In the microphone. The microphone's doing your right job. I said no cap of my friendships in jeopardy. So that's the moral of this pause. Yeah. Welcome back from your intermission. I hope you peed. Hope you got some more booze. Um, I'm impressed you're still here. So drop um, a green heart in the comments if you're still here. And we'll shout you out. Or black. Because I like black. Or black. I mean, orange is my favorite color. So just drop a heart. Anything. I don't care. It could be um, boobs and numbers and... People older than like people older than twenty three will understand that reference. If you have to ask, then ask. Ask your parents. Your parents know. 
your parents know. And if you have to ask your parents, you shouldn't be listening to this podcast in the first place. But we're happy to help you go to sleep. So go to sleep. Oh, like that good TikTok reel says, you know, there are females out there that literally fall asleep to murder. And that is this right here. We do. We'll think about all the death and disgusting things in life. But it's okay because you're on stuck in the garden. I'm impressed if you have a gardener. Eggs are expensive, so that's impressive. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. So Yep. Part to never part wanted two. chicken before, but now I want a chicken. But apparently they aren't laying eggs right now because it's too fucking cold. Fun fact: with cold, they don't like the eggs. Can't blame them though. So don't, don't shit when it's cold either. Don't force your chickens to lay eggs. Okay. Don't also threaten to eat them too because that's kind of fucked. They can't. They can't. Um, they don't know. They don't know. They understand. It's the tone. It's like your dogs. You could literally say "suck my dick" in the same tone you say "let's go for a walk," and they'll literally freak out. Try it. Let us know how it goes. I also saw a video one time too where this guy literally played the boys are coming back in town or the boys are back in town. <laughs> Every time he went to go take his um, roommate's dog for a walk. Yeah. Like, so the dog associated like the intro of that song. Every time the intro of the song like, came on, the dog knew that he was going for a walk and it's kind of really cute. So did he ever just do that randomly when his friend, his roommate walked in? He's like, what the hell is happening? And the dog's like, it's walk time. I love this. Okay. Yeah. So we call training your animal for noises. Yes. We switched sides. Our wines have switched sides. Now I'm squeaking chair. Oh, no, it's not squeaking. Squeaker, squeak and squeak. Squeak and squeak. We make it work here. Don't say we don't try. I'm sure my background will change again in the next weeks or so. Anyway. Anyway. Life. Now we're going to make you sad. If Shannon's story didn't make you sad, mine's sad. It's a lot. It's a lot sad. Anyway, moving on. So it's Capricorn season. Yeah, Capricorn. We're the best. We're hard workers. That's we subjective. Don't. We don't. We are very determined hard workers and full of wisdom. And we love you for it. Literally, if you look up Capricorn, it's like wisdom. I'm like, oh, what the fuck? I'm so wise because I'm dealing with so much shit. How's your therapist feel about that? I kind of want to know what her zodiac sign is. You should ask her. Like, what are, are you? You should also ask her what her zo- her Chinese zodiac sign is. Yeah, because I want it. Anyway, I would on. not be surprised if she's not like a Capricorn or a fucking Scorpio. I'm gonna die actually if she's a Scorpio, because everybody in my life is my Scorpio pretty much. Really? Well, mm-hmm. now I don't feel special. Am I the one that's stuck around? Besides Scott, I mean, like he's married, not married, but he's related. Yeah, he doesn't see you naked. No, he has before when we were children. I mean, when you're children, it doesn't matter. You know, when that awkward photo happens when, you know, you look at your cousin who's... And you're like, oh, gosh. We were both naked in a bathtub and now yeah, we're sure. adults and we're like, we were swimming in the same bath water naked. Someone peed in that bath water. Probably him. And yep. they'll say you. Yeah. That's, that's my like, right there. I'm like, here we are, adults, you know. Like, oh, you're naked too. Let's both naked. Right. Look at us both naked. Yep. Cheers. Cheers. To being naked adults. Great. So while we go from um, naked adults, we're going to go to death and a lot of it. Woo! 
How much death do you think we're going to get into right now? Um, dozens. I had to take the S. More? Less? You're cold. Less? Or more? You're cold. You don't really am hot and cold? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Is it more or less? Right. So if someone says you're cold, you're away. I know, but am I away less or am I away more? Well, if I'm saying you're cold, it means you're away less, but more. Hundreds? Okay, who have we not covered that's held in hundreds? Ma'am, we're going to get into this one. Is this like an old one? No, because it ended in... Arrest happened in 1998, and sentencing happened in 2002. Yeah, I was a second grader. Where were you when 9-11 happened? Anyway, I was in first grade. Where were you when 9-11 happened? I I thought you were in second grade. I might have been. Yeah, well, like in September, yeah. Yeah, early September. I remember being in, like, circle time, the, the teacher rolled the TV out. They rolled the TV out. Yeah, oh, that was a big deal. And then... Yeah, we, we were in a fantasy school. Ours was in the corner of the... the I was in poor school, so... <laughs> I became poor. I became poor. So, the teacher rolled the TV out, and then people's parents just started picking them up. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, people were getting called out of school, and you're like, "What the hell was happening?" My mom didn't care about me that much. You know, eventually, I went home. And here's the thing: my mom was crying, but no one we knew. We didn't know anyone. I'm sure my mom told you. My mom cries over everything. Patriarch. I'm sorry, America. <laughs> I get this confused. <laughs> Until the world's not run by white men, I don't. <laughs> It's the patriarchy, hence America. Welcome to our podcast. Anyway, um, if you're still here. So we're going to talk about uh, Dr. Harold Shipman. Oh, a doctor. Yes. And I picked this one. Is this like medical murder? Because then you know. This is medical murder. These are my favorite. Do you want to know his nickname? Dr. Death? Yes. This is Dr. Death? This is Dr. Death. This is Dr. Death. See, I don't know the real story of Dr. Death. I just, I've definitely heard of Dr. Death, of course. It's not fun. Right. Didn't think so. So here's the thing. I feel like there's two Dr. Deaths. I could be wrong because the the first one I feel like I know had to do with the Nazis. Mm -hmm. That's not this one. I also, you should definitely cover at some point the angel nurse. Oh, who's the angel nurse? The one that literally like would kill their terminally ill patients for them. I think that also goes by the name of Angel Death. Angel Death, yeah. So the funny thing about Dr. Death is this Dr. Death. Is there's also been multiple other nurses though that didn't do it in like a... Like, sure, it's like that, a that very has, euthanasia type situation. Yeah, there's yeah. That, that, that where it's like, you know, I mean, that's kind of like a double-edged sword kind of thing. Yeah. Where there have been... There's, I think there's like a male nurse. I forget what... I know exactly who you're talking who about. Who literally yeah. just killed people. Yeah, see, I know. I know exactly. First of all, there's a documentary on Netflix. So, you know, I don't remember the name. But I know. I I, yeah, I haven't, I haven't had time for that. I would like to cover him. I would also like to cover these two. So, back in the day, I don't remember the name of it. There was like a show, I think it was like on Discovery or something. But it was like about female killers. And it was it was called like like whatever like one whatever they had a name and it would rank the murderer on this scale right uh-huh. and these two nurses they were lesbian nurses and they turned 
this game of Hangman into a real game. And they were, it was really fucked. They were real people. And they were the whole game Hangman is kind of fucked. Yeah. And so, but they worked in like <laughs> hospice. And they would kill patients in the accordance of the word. So they were trying to fill out this word and they would kill them by if, if her name went if the first if the word was mango, if her name was Marjorie, she died because her name was serving them. That's what I'm fucking talking about. It was fucked. It's fucked, but they're I mean hospice nurses, you know, I mean still though. Hospice nurses, they just kill everybody. <laughs> Yeah, I, I dabbled in some of that hospice for a second. There was you that. kill people? I didn't kill anybody, but I, you know. I'm for a legal reasons, we have to say that you didn't kill anybody. Yeah, no, but no, I was running on death to, you know. Sure, sure. But what was fucked was the reason why those two, I mean, I'll definitely cover this case. It's a fascinating case. The reason why they got caught is they actually probably wouldn't have ever gotten caught. They got caught because the last two letters of this game, they already killed like eight people at this point. That's the last, I think there's, I think they were trying to spell the word murder. So maybe it was six people. I don't know. But they decided, but all of a sudden they broke up. Of course. They broke up. It got petty and one, and they were like basically trying to psych the other one out. And one of them got too psyched out that they went to the police first because, well, I'm going to get to them before you get to them because I want a better plea deal. And then the police were like, they were actually never under suspicion. But because it became down to like petty jealousy, they actually ended up riding themselves up. Yeah. And they never finished the game of Hangman. You know, I'll just say that too. Any lesbians that can make it work and not be jealous of each other, kudos to them. And that's my story. No, yeah. I'm we're talking about Dr. Death. He's not a lesbian or a nurse. Dr. Death. So, Dr. Death Part 2, because this isn't via Dr. Death via the Nazis. Also, Dr. Death is a Capricorn? He is a Capricorn. He was born January 14th. Anyway. Capricorn. He's also the year of the dog. Okay. So, year of the dog for our Chinese idiot fans. His murder count is anywhere from 215 to 260 patients. He is charged with 15 murders and one count of fraud. So that's what he's charged with. Is this a doctor that was like an orthopedic doctor? Like a spinal doctor? No. Oh. This is a this is a GP. Okay. Yeah. General practitioner, your family doctor. Interesting. There's also another murderous doctor too that was like a orthopedic doctor, did spinal surgeries and um botched them. People. I can I told you this before. You should look listen. You wouldn't even actually a doctor, actually, that's fine out. That's about right. You should listen to that medical murders podcast. It's literally a guy who's a host, and his co-host is a doctor. And so he talks about medical murders, and then he talks about the medical side of it. So he gives you the in-depth. It's really good. It's a really good podcast. You would like it. Yeah. And their voices are very soothing. That's beside the point. So so his method of killing is a lethal dose of dimorphine. The painkiller. Yeah. Um, so is that just... That medical term for morphine is dimorphine, which is just morphine. No, I think that's an old, older version of di- of, of morphine, basically. Okay, because the murders take place in like the early seventies. Yeah, yeah. So throughout the years, um, different like pain medications and stuff like that have evolved. 
So you'll see too, is that like, you know, something that was widely used back in the day has a different name now because it kind of like morphed into something semi-safer, if you can imagine. That's good. Yeah, because I mean, certain medications have been around for a very long time. Like think about penicillin even too. Sure. Has been around for decades upon decades. Like that saved numerous lives too. So there's... And... Uh, a lot of our modern day antibiotics are related to penicillin, but they've altered them in certain different ways with their chemistry and stuff. Because fun fact is penicillin is like one of the number one allergies people have. Mm-hmm. So numerous people are allergic to penicillin, but other antibiotics were derived from penicillin in order to help those that are allergic to that. So fun yeah. facts, fun facts, the more, you know, the more, you know, all right. Okay. So he kills people with morphine, right? Which is pretty common when you think about medical murderers, right? So we're going to go a little bit into his childhood. Now, I told you guys, um, this is research I did last night. This is last night's research. We're going to go with it. Um, It's fine. I will name all of my sources at the end, even if I didn't use them. But I'm sure they would have been useful. But I have using my ears. At the end of this. We're technically not the end of the episode. All right, moving on. Okay, so he was born Harold Frederick Shipman. I would assume Junior because his dad was also named Harold Shipman. But they didn't name him Junior. So we have Harold Frederick Shipman. He was born January 14th, 1946. Also, fun fact, I actually Googled it. There are no serial killers that I could find... And literally, there is a website called murdermurdermurder.com. It's not as exciting as you think it is. Go Google it. I don't care. Um, and they have a whole list. Of, like, do you share a birthday with a serial killer? And it's like, oh, God, I would love to know that information. And the answer is, she does not. Yeah. It goes from 14 to 16. 15 is like, we don't, we don't fuck with the 15. So I firmly believe that people that were born on January 15th are 1,000% Capricorns because, like, we're too logical. We're like, like oh, we just can't do this. We're going to get caught. We can't do this. All right. Okay. Here's, awesome. a little, here's a little bit about his childhood. Okay. So I'm going to start off calling him Harold, and then we're going to switch to Shipman once he becomes a doctor. Okay. So Harold. Why, why not Harry? His name is Harold. Don't call him Harry. So Harold. All right. Continue. Sorry, you're, do you want to do the notes? Harold. <laughs> um, anyway, he was born in Nottingham, England. Okay. So this takes place in the UK, right? Um, to parents Vera and Harold Shipman. One thing you need to know about Vera is Harold is the middle of three children. So they have three children together. He's the middle child, which is the perfect child. Yes. Um, I'm a baby, so. Well, there's only two of you, so you don't have a middle. Yeah, but also, I'm also like the older at the same time. So that's. All right, but I'm the middle child, so we're perfect. I'm cool. Yes, you are. You're perfect. Um, She had, he became her favorite, like favorite. Like, it was obvious, like, to the point where she had instilled, she instilled in him that he was superior to others. Of course. Right. Like, 
So she's like, you're just better than everybody else. Um, this had obviously adverse side effects because this made him become very isolated and he really had like no friends because he embodied that. So he exuded that. I'm better than, right? He was felt, yeah, as a child. At least I don't act like I'm better than anybody and I still have a best friend that still puts up with me. I mean, she's my friend, and obviously she's not better than nobody. So, <laughs> moral of the story is, if you firmly believe that's who you are, you're going to make sure people know it. Yeah. Like, you can, there are things like you say and then you think, right? Mm-hmm. Think before you act, and dumb people don't think. So, they get a, they don't get away with murder. But her, like, you're just above everybody else, and blah, 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 like, he just ran with it. So, he had no friends, really. And he was like, I'm above everybody else. I'm better than everybody else. And then something tragic happens. So I, I mean, I don't know if I said it, but he was born in 1946. So he was born at the late end of the 40s, rolling into the 50s. Um, His mother gets diagnosed with lung cancer. So cancer has come a long way in terms of where it was to where it is now. It really wasn't much back then in the 40s. And his mom had lung cancer. I couldn't really find where the fuck his dad was at this point. Like, I had to search three websites to figure out who his dad was in terms of a name. Um, Interesting. Yeah. But his mom got, I mean, they were still, like, together. They didn't, like, separate. Yeah. She she got diagnosed with lung cancer. But the thing about him is he was such a mama's boy. Not in a bad way. Like, he loved his mother. He wanted to oversee her, her care more so her comfortability her state of mind or that kind of stuff yeah. at that time right like yeah. he wanted to be he wanted to be there and be present for that and he started to become i say unhealthily interested but became very interested in, in medicine after he was watching these doctors inject his mom with morphine shots to help with the pain he was like wow like her mood got better. Her pain was easily subsided. Like, it's amazing what this drug can do for my mom's pain, right? Basically, it's just, it's not even delaying. It's just numbing the inevitable, right? Like, injecting people with morphine isn't going to cure cancer. But he was thoroughly like, sh- like, oh my God, like, this is revolutionary as a child watching his mom get these shots. And she's like, I feel much better. So he now becomes obsessed with medicine because he's watching this happen and he thinks it's amazing, right? So um, in 1963, he's now 17. Uh, June 21st, his mother, Vera, succumbs to lung cancer and dies. This is a huge impact on him. And he's determined to make something of himself in the medical field. That's his commitment. That's what he decides to do. And he he did not take his mother's death well. And he was like, this is what I'm going to do, whatever. So two years later in 1965, he attends Leeds University's medical school. Here, here's the, This is how you know it's like the fucking 40s. Uh, I'm sorry, it's the 60s. Because I'm just going to say it. I'm going to go think. But at the age of um, 24, he becomes like a GP. I know. I, I know. So at 19, he attends Leeds University Medical School for two years of training. 
Um, he, mind you, he fails his entrance exam twice. That's a sign. Before serving his hospital internship. <laughs> or as he would call it, residency. Right? So he fails it twice. And then he did, they were like, I mean, go ahead. And they just kind of, I guess they just kind of like let him do it. I mean, I don't know what that means. Like he failed it twice. Just so everyone's fair. He kind of sucks. So maybe, but the, maybe the third time he got it. He's trying. I mean, he's white and patriarchal. And he's a male. He's also, I mean, whatever. So, um, <laughs> so he gets into medical school, whatever. Also around that same time, he meets, um, Primrose. He's 19. She's 17. They start Primrose is her name. That's a hell of a name. That's a hell of a name. And they fall in love and they begin to date. I not love smelling Primrose. She probably smells really good. Why smell like roses? Or lilies if she wants to be different. I'm different. Her name is Rose. So like. Yeah, but she didn't didn't choose that. She was born with that. What if she likes the name? What if she likes to smell lilies? Anyway. Anyway, so. She smells, like, she smells like flowers. She smells something. She smells like something. Uh, enough that he likes her. And they start to do their thing. And then Primrose gets pregnant. As they always do. Yeah. And they decide to get married. Because they love each other. Of course they do. Had nothing to do with an unplanned pregnancy. Mm. So they get married when she's five months pregnant. Gotta love those like marriage weddings when they're super over pregnant i mean they meant something you know so they get married it's fine she's pregnant with her first child they had more than one so that was when they were 19 or he was 19 years old so we're going to fast forward five years to 1970 when he's 24 and he finally receives a medical degree from leeds university at then, 24 at 24 yeah so between the years of 1972 and 1974, there was no real specific dates. He begins to kind of work as a GP, which is general practitioner, um, in Toad Toadmorden in Lang in Lancaster. Um, if I'm pronouncing anything wrong, please let me know. Um, so he begins kind of some GP work in Lancaster, and then around the age of 29 in 1975, he is forced out of his practice. And into, I love this, he's forced out of work and into a drug rehabilitation program by his peers. He's forced. I want to know how this force happened. Because he was doing drugs? I was like, because it became, it came to light that he was fraudulently prescribing himself the opiate, uh, Bethadine? Pethidine, P-E-T-H-I-D-I-N-E. Pethidine. I feel like P has a T-H sound in the medical world. It's 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 like an F. Pethidine. Oh, so P-E-T-H-I-D-I-N-E. Pethidine. P-E, yeah, pethidine. Pethidine. What is pethidine? Your question is what's P-E-T-H, is it I or A? I. D-I-N-E. So some side effects are lightheadedness, sedation, dizziness, sweating, hallucinations, constipation. So it's an opioid. It's an opioid, yeah. 
So he was addicted so, to this. It says Pepperdine is an opioid pain relief medicine that was once widely used in Australia for pain caused by a range of conditions. Wow, so vague. Pepperdine is now less, now less frequently used because newer, safer, safer opioids are available. Pethidine is sometimes used to reduce labor pain in childbirth. Pethidine is considered highly addictive well, and is not prescribed as an ongoing basis or in the treatment of persistent pain in chronic conditions. So he was addicted to this opioid. And he highly was, addictive opioid. <laughs> and he was fraudulently prescribing it to himself. I wonder why. And it got it got out. And he got found out and he was forced out of practice and forced into a rehab. Which is like, wow, good friends, right? Yeah. Put him into a rehab. Um, and ultimately, after all this came out, all he would be charged with is a very small fine and he would be convicted of forgery. That's all that happened. Little white man. Yes. So in 1977, he's 31 now. Um, he moves, he finishes his rehabilitation he's moving on with his life and he relocates, um, to grand, to greater Manchester, to the town of, um, Hyde. And he begins general practitioner's work or GP, which I don't know how I'm going to call it from now on, um, in Donnybrook Medical Center. So he moves to greater Manchester. He begins more GP work. Which it's like the late seventies. No one's fucking checking references. Like no, no one's doing that. So he begins to, which ironically enough, he begins to take on a very great practice. He gets this really good reputation for being a great doctor, and he's kind of just doing his thing for a very long time. Like nothing really happens for a while, um, but during his time there, he's building this reputation. There's an undertaker, right? And during that time, they were called undertakers, especially in, in Europe, not, not necessarily in the Americas, but the undertaker was getting kind of concerned by the amount of patient deaths coming in under him. So let me just, you know, talk to you because this is part of your day-to-day -day work. Like, why does a death count matter to a medical professional? Um, because ultimately, okay, so for example, let me just put into perspective for people is that like even like surgeons, for example, they have to really, because like the medical board itself will look at how many deaths have been under your care. And then they'll review X amount of deaths under your care and see like, was it a natural cause? Was it human error? Yada, 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 whatever. So even when it comes to like surgeons, like surgeons actually have an algorithm that they use nowadays that will because i work with primarily elderly population you know so it's like the elderly it's like really it's, it's difficult so you have to say for example somebody comes in like grandma broke her hip so grandma broke her hip she needs a hip fixed but does grandma have heart failure copd all these other things that are going to cause her surgical rate to become less likely to be successful Right, so she's more likely to die under the needle. Exactly. So are you more likely to die under anesthesia or not? So it's like all those deaths, especially surgeons in general, anybody going under the knife, under anesthesia, under somebody's care, they have to justify 
risk versus benefit. That's that's the biggest thing in healthcare nowadays is risk versus benefit. So it's like a scale. So like I tell people all the time too, even when it comes to like cancer patients, you know, if you have a younger cancer patient, you want to do everything you can because their risk is high less because they don't have all these other medical conditions going on. Whereas if you have, say, grandma who just got diagnosed with breast cancer, she's got all these other conditions too. So you got to think grandma also has heart failure. She also has COPD. What if we did radiation? All those that, all that radiation is going to cause her heart failure, COPD to like skyrocket. Grandma's going to die. So you do risk versus benefit. Like what's going to cause the best quality of life versus, you know, what's going to cause the most risk to whatever they already have. So you really have to be careful when doctors really look at it. They're, they're going to tell you too, if you have a loved one that has something happen or has something that's going on, they're going to be like, it's difficult because anything that they do, they prescribe and stuff like that, if they can be deemed as the cause of death, goes on their record. So nowadays, like I tell people, it's a lot different because of probably people like Dr. Death and people like that, that have ruined the system that have now more redefined the system in the sense of you have to look at X, Y, and Z now. And it's not just as simple as like, well, they have cancer, we're going to treat it. No, not necessarily. Because you may not have their best interests at heart. Exactly. So, and then it's unfortunate because patients be like, why are you like, you're being so callous, you're being schooled. Like, it's not that. It's like, I could literally lose my license. Yeah. So he begins in this practice and the undertaker is kind of like concerned because he's noticing this high level of deaths coming in under Dr. What's-his-face. I was going to say. <laughs> I already know I was going to do this. <laughs> Shit man. Call shit man. His name is Shitman. Shit man. Ooh, shit man. He is a shit man. He's a shite man. Shite man. Where's I was a German winers so you were you were, ta- you were talking about pronouncing things wrong. And I was like, his name is Shitman, but I keep calling him Shipment. And <laughs> just can't let it go. Okay. Okay. It's P. So, um, the Undertaker is like, yo, I am really concerned. I just like the name Undertaker, too, anyways. Okay, bye. Right? I mean, if anyone watched WWE when you were in, like, the early (laughs) he was your favorite. Because he retired recently, and he cried when he retired. Because even though wrestling is fake, that was his career. Like, that was his acting career, really. wrestling, Wrestling is still tough. Yeah, I mean, people like fucking. Shit. Yeah, it's it's literally like it's acting, but it's like you're physically destroying yourself. Yeah, and if something goes wrong, you're fucked. And he retired recently. Like he's like he's not old, but I think he retired in his like late fifty or something. But like, I remember the MTV when I was I was a kid. Yeah, like when I believed that that was real. Yeah. Like he came out of a coffin and was not a vampire, so it's fine. So he meets his wife. They get pregnant. He goes to rehab. Blah, blah, blah. He's 31. Um, right. So he gets out of rehab. The Undertaker's like, yo, lots of people are dying under you, bro. Bless this dude. This dude actually went to shipment himself and he's like, hey, I'm concerned. Like, you have a lot of fucking deaths happening under you. And he's like, there's nothing to worry about. Don't worry about it. It's totally fine. Like, it's it's fine. Don't worry about it. And he was just kind of like, 
he really was like unsettled. He couldn't like let it go. And then not long after that, a colleague of his, I think her name was like Dr. Susan something. I thought I wrote her name down. Of course, Dr. Susan Booth. She was like, yeah, that's a lot of fucking people dying under him. Yeah. And she's like, I'm not okay with it. So she goes one step further and she says, fuck him and go right to the police. So she goes right to the police and she's like, there's some shady shit and I'm not okay with it. So she goes to the police and the police are like, hey, and they actually, they do an investigation. They do a quiet investigation. He has no idea he's actually being investigated. And they are like, he's clean. His records are clean. Everything is clean. It would come out later that he was fraudulently doctoring those records. So were all these police officers male? Probably. They're also not medical professionals. They're police officers. Like, no offense to police officers, but you don't go through medical training. You don't know how to read medical documents. No. You don't know what the fuck you're looking at. Especially not in 19-fucking-70-whatever. Yeah. Like, no, you're not. You're (laughs) just doing shit. 19-fucking-70-whatever. Yeah. So, we're going to get into some shit. So, the Undertaker's like, yo, I'm not okay with this. Susan Booth's like, yo, I'm not okay with this. The police are like, yo, he's clean. His records make sense. We don't have anything. Like you said, it would come out later on, which by... Later on, I mean, probably during investigation and trial, they're like, oh, he actually forged all of this, which he did, mm-hmm. which is going to come out. What catapulted and catalysted all this was during um, the same year, I mean, 1998 was the year. So um, in 1998, he's 52 years old. It's June 24th, and he goes to do a house call. And yes, doctors used to do house calls, ladies and gentlemen. They still do, but you yeah. pay an arm and a leg to have a doctor do a first child. house call. Yeah. He goes to the house of Kathleen Grundy. She's 81 years old. And not long after he leaves her house, she dies. Her daughter is a lawyer, by the way. Uh, Grundy's daughter is a lawyer. She actually was in charge of all of her mom's affairs, which comes into play. And her daughter was, like, really shocked that her mom died because even though she was 81, she was in really good health. She was totally fine. And not long after Shipman left, she died. And she's like, okay. So she's reviewing her mom's documents, and she gets, like, this what-the-fuck shock. Because it comes out in these documents that she's never seen before, that she's never authorized, that suddenly Shipman is now the beneficiary of her estate. Ooh, that's a big line you don't cross. Right. So she's like, I'm sorry, WTF? Like, what the fuck? This is after, so naturally this doesn't happen right away. So her mom passes, her daughter's like, this is really weird. Like, why would she pass? He's like, blah, 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 bullshit, bullshit. But you don't need to do an autopsy. No autopsy is needed. He was very big on, and this comes out later in the investigation. Like he was very big on pressuring his clients or his patient's family to cremate their, their loved ones. He was very big on like, no autopsy is needed it's natural causes it's blah 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 and most of them ended up being cremated unfortunately 
um, Grundy was not one that would be cremated. Her daughter had her buried. And then her daughter later saw the will, right? And she's like, what the fuck is this? So um, her name was Angela Woodruff. That was her name. Um, and she was like, yeah, no, um, I didn't authorize this. I've never seen this. I don't believe this. I think he murdered my mother. And I think he forged these documents. And she was very adamant about that. And she went straight to the police department. And she was like, he murdered my mother and forged his documents. And honestly, it didn't take long for Detective, where is his name? It's in my notes. Doot, doot, doot. Maybe I guess we'll come back to him jumping farther ahead. Um, but anyway, the investigator who I have a note for his name, he actually is like, it doesn't take him long. Like, yeah, I agree with you. Which really doesn't happen. Be totally agree with her. He's like, yeah, this is all super sus. Um, <laughs> but I did. What is this fish? Super sus. Um, he seems suspicious. So I did the math because I always do the math. We're talking 1998. And to some of you, that was last century, so go fuck yourself. For some of you, you were still a kid. That's like five. me. Yeah, I was five. My sister was one. So. That, mm. that makes me feel mm. Anyway. Where's my age? My sister is married, yes. I feel very old. I know, you knew her when she was, like, going into college. And before that. Yeah, before was, that. was cheerleader. Gross. Mandatory baby. Anyway. So, in today's monies, like I said, she he was the beneficiary of her estate. Back then, that was like 400,000 pounds or some shit like that. 400,000 pounds in 1998 was equivalent to 708,168. So, almost 100 in, 108.2 pounds in 1998. Why? Uh, I'm sorry, that was today's money. So in today's money, it would have been worth almost 800,000 pounds, or I'm sorry, 709 Christ pounds in today's money. In dollars, that would have equated to, in today's money, literally 2023 money, 856.8. So almost $857,000. Almost a million fucking dollars of somebody's estate. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And her daughter was like, I'm sorry, this isn't real. Like, this is fake. This is bullshit. You're fake. So, oh, there it is. That, see, I wrote down Detective Sergeant. <laughs> That's his name. She found it. I found it. Detective Sergeant Bernard Postles. What a name. BP. BP. British Police. Bernard. Bernard Postles. He was like, yeah, you're right. This is bullshit. And you know what? Fuck yeah, Bernard. Oh, yeah, Bernard. Fuck yeah, Bernard. So Bernard was like, yeah, I agree with you. This is sus. And um, I don't believe that she died of natural causes. And I totally believe that he forged these these documents. So they launch an investigation. And they arrest him um, in 1998 for forgery and 15 counts of murder. They arrest him and they raid his house. I don't know necessarily in what order 
I do know they raided his home, and I assume you can only really raid somebody's home after an arrest warrant has been They're sent usually, him. like, the same. Like, so they're arrested and raided at the same time. Yeah. So he's arrested on counts of forgery and 15 counts of murder. When they raid his home, they find way more than they bargained for. They were like, oh, there's so many more people than we thought beyond Kathleen. They were like, it's just this one. Which is interesting because it actually she's the only one he forged like his name into their will for. He never like his um So many things. Okay. Have fun editing this one. I know, but your boobs look great. Oh, thanks. <laughs> so, continue. He gets arrested. His house is raided. And they're like, okay, what's in his house? Let me tell you what's in his house. First of all, they exist. Also, what does he keep evidence in his house? Because that's just. Because switch. everyone keeps everything in their house, including presidents. Okay. Finally, including presidents. So, first of all, Kathleen is exhumed. This is what catap- this is what catapults the whole thing. So Kathleen, I jumped ahead a little bit, but it's kind of irrelevant. So Kathleen is exhumed, and they do a toxology report, and they discover that she totally died of an a morphine overdose within three hours of her death, which coincided perfectly with when he was at her home doing the house call and leaving yeah so they were like oh no 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 this happened while he went there nobody else came it was nobody else it wasn't a weird heart palpation it wasn't a cardiac arrest he killed her um so they when they raided his home they discovered medical records they found jewelry and ultimately, the typewriter that would be, in fact, identified as the device used to forge Kathleen's records. So he really wasn't hiding anything. His home was his operation of what he was doing is it came out that he was forging death records. And they would die and he would forge their death certificate. Like He was forging their death record, um, which... Makes sense why the Undertaker was becoming like uncomfortable. He's like, yo, like this is a large number of people. And he was overly pushy on family members of like, oh, it's fine. Like, no, an autopsy isn't needed. Just cremate them. So the moral is if your doctor is pushing you to cremate somebody, you should probably have an autopsy performed. Because why would your doctor care? how they're disposed of in the most fucked up sense but why would he care how they're disposed of they really don't care but if they do they probably killed your uncle roy that's all i'm saying um or your aunt kathy once we are more we don't give a fuck what happens so he kills all these people whatever 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 then they're like okay we kind of got him we have all the evidence we need so after reviewing his seized medical documents, they're like, oh, shit, there's way more than just Kathleen, which is what I said before. And that's where I was like, he or the cremate his 
pre-made their family members, insisting that no further investigation was needed, no autopsy was needed, blah, 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 blah. But police were like, okay, so they arrest him. And they're like, okay, yeah, so anyone who hasn't been cremated is immediately on top of the list. Their top priority. Because they're they're still there. So they they exhume all... By the way, I hate the way exhumed is spelled. I was telling her this last night. It, I hate the fact there's an H in exhumed. Um, exhumed. 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 I hate it. It's like knife. I just don't... Yeah. Yeah. So he's arrested, like I said, in 1998. And then trial doesn't start until 1999, October 5th. So trial starts... And it happens, um, trial begins in Preston Crown Court. In his defense, here's, I was, this is kind of what I was like, what the fuck? His defense, I've never heard, I've never heard this before. His defense tries to have him tried in three separate parts. How? Glad you asked. The only reason why I think they wanted him tried in three parts was to prove a reasonable doubt for everything. Because if you chunk it up, into specific- yeah if but if you only focus on small pieces and on yeah. the big picture you can implant doubt so the first reason was physical evidence which is very broad we only want him to be tried on physical evidence not circumstantial so all the bodies that they were able to sure and the evidence that came from that only the what was found in his home what was found during exhumation, autopsies, whatever, whatever. Any of the, the forgery, whatever. Second piece, which is a little more specific, which was cases. This is the part where I said I had to reread that sentence like three times because the word evidence was not included. So I'm going to read it and then I'll put evidence and you'll understand me. Cases without and Kathleen cases. So anything not regarding Kathleen? Kind of, no. So cases without evidence. So remember I said physical evidence. So he his his defense was like, okay, so we want the first one to be physical evidence. The second one to be all cases without physical evidence and the case include, including Kathleen because her case was different from the rest because it's the only one that he performed forgery on so he it was deemed separate from all the rest right because it's the only one who did any forgery if you don't like prove one case versus you know 200 right very different sentence right exactly so that was the second bullet and then the third one was damning evidence only related to fraudulent accumulation of morphine and other drugs. Damning evidence being the word. So only if the body was exhumed and they found... And they could prove it, like, clean. Within the blood itself, yeah. So the the second bullet point being Kathleen's case only in the term of forgery. But in the third case, only proving damning evidence. In the accusation of death that's broad too because damning evidence is well he said damning evidence relating to fraudulent accumulation of morphine and other drugs so not even distributing it or administering it just accumulating it because that's where he's saying well it's not that but it's like if somebody's smart they use multiple drugs right but he's saying like 
prove that my client was going out of his way to accumulate mass amounts of this morphine to kill patients. And that's the only, that's the third piece and the only part I want you to file charges. Yeah, that's rough. As medical professionals know, there's multiple drugs that you combine to kill a person. Sure. And his, in his defense, this rich ass doctor, like, this is his defense. And I was like, I mean, go fuck yourself. But I'm like, there's no fucking way. Like, these are stupid. Like, this is a yeah. stupid. Like, you're specifically asking for these things for a reason because you know that if you break them apart, there is no case. No. What happens? What do you think happens? It, it falls apart. It has to fall apart because if you're breaking up the whole case itself, it falls apart. Falls apart and, like, he gets to walk free or falls apart and, like, the judge is like, go fuck yourself. Unfortunately, I want to say he walks free. To an extent. The judge says, go fuck yourself. And is like, no. That whole thing was thrown out. He was like, go fuck yourself. We're proceeding with court on 16 oh, charges. Oh, good for the judge. Yeah, the judge was like, no. We're going to go forward with 15 charges of murder and one count of forgery. Fucking suck my dick. He's like, no, we're not doing that. Who's this judge? I don't know. I don't know. I can look it up. But that judge was like, no. That's you're, ballsy. You're asking for the moon and back. And I'm saying, suck my balls. Yeah, because that's the problem. Is like, you know, with lawyers and stuff like that, they know how to work on the legal system. And it's like, if the judge says no, they're standing up for themselves and they know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, because fun fact is like, if things progress and you can like fight the judge itself, you can actually go to a Supreme Court level. And that's when, like, people talk about Supreme Court cases. Hence, you know, those kind of the children. overturning of Roe v. Wade. We're not going to get into that. You know. <laughs> so, three years later, three years, in 2002, I was in second grade in 2002. Third grade probably for me. He was 56. He's finally convicted. So he's convicted of 15 counts of murder and one count of forgery. So all the charges that were brought against him, he was initially, he was basically convicted of. Good. So he was sentenced to life in prison. And on January 13, 2004, one day before his birthday, he would have been 58. He dies. Hanging from what? Suicide. He hanged himself in his cell. So he kills him. He offs himself in 2002. And that's where he's like, fuck, I fucked myself over. And also, he was kind of like, I'm just, I would rather just end it than face my dues. So 2005 rolls around, they're not done. They're not done. But, like, we're not done with this. So, in 2005, three years after he dies, um, an in-depth investigation has happened in this point, And an official report comes out. And the statement means, and the statement comes out, says that Shipman may have actually killed an estimated 250 people between the years of 1971 and 1998 which is when he was arrested i did the math for you you don't have to worry about it that's 27 years and that's an average of eight 
plus people per, or sorry, nine plus people per year over 27 years. And people are like, well, oh, how is that possible? There's no way. I'm like, no, that's entirely, especially, and the, unfortunately, especially like in a medical environment, mm-hmm. it's less likely to be questioned than if you were like a librarian. Oh, yeah. You know, like it happens. So, um, also, uh, after they died, like I said, um, after he injected a lethal dose, I put this later, They in this also statement, they said after he injected them with a lethal dose of this, this dimorphine, he would then fraudulently change the cause of death, the death certificates, to natural causes. So and most, and, but here's the thing, like most of these patients were healthy for their age. Where he fucked up was killing Kathleen because her daughter was in charge of her wishes. But he didn't know that. Yeah. I honestly, I honestly believe had he never done what, if she wasn't the one that he decided to try and claim shit from, he could have gotten away with it. Yeah. Probably kill a bunch more. Yeah. And so they're like, people are like, we don't really know. He That's why I said he killed anywhere between 215 to 260, he was convicted of 15. But of all of his patients that he worked with, they were after all of the investigating they did of like paperwork and this and that, they're like, oh, yeah. this official statement from the whatever of Great Britain was like, yeah, it was an estimated 250. Could have been more. Right. And how many of them were cremated? Yeah. How many no, of them? No. Do we not exactly how many of them do we not have documents for? I have some theories for you, like you had for me. Okay, so here are some theories as to why he did what he did. Curious, yes. Theory number one to avenge his mother's death. Okay, but yes, his mother had cancer, but different than people that not actually dying of terminal illness. I feel the same way. I think the avenging his mother's death is a bit of a stretch only because of everyone saying like he became fascinated with medicine because of it and how it helped her. So why would he want to avenge her if he never felt that she was being wronged? Right? No, and not only that, but he's not helping other people by killing if they're not ready to die. Right. So that was one theory. Theory number two is that he was practicing euthanasia because he felt that he was helping. And this is the part that got me kind of annoyed because like I said, I've seen a bunch of documentaries about euthanasia and there's actually some people who practice it. Like I could literally be sent to jail if I get found out by this. Yeah. They were saying he was practicing euthanasia because he felt, again, this is a theory, not proven, it's a theory, that he was practicing euthanasia by helping rid the influx of um, dying elderly people that's weighing down on the medical system. I know it's a very gross way of talking about it, but that's what that's what the theory was saying. It's like he's helping kill off these elderly people that were ready to die or going to die anyway and they're putting a lot of pressure on the medical system anyway which is we all know 
considering I work in the elderly population. Bullshit. So that was theory number two. My grandma's 84 now and thriving. Went to Vegas for New Year's. Fucking thriving. We all want to be like Nana. Just so yeah. you know, we all want to be like Nana when we're 84. She's spending our inheritance and loving it. She went to Vegas for New Year's because she cut. Yes. And I fully support that. We all want to be Nana. Hashtag be Nana. Be Nana. <laughs> so theory number three and my last theory for you. Oh, okay. There's four, but the fourth one's an asterisk. Mm. Third one, which is the one I believe most in, is a God complex. Oh, yeah. Because here's my here's my reasoning is his mother instilled in him from a very young age that he's better than everyone. Mm-hmm. He's above everyone. Mm-hmm. And everyone has to prove their worth to him. You have to prove that you're worthy of my whatever. Even though we didn't get to any of those details, she very much made that very clear. And he was isolated and he had very little friends because he embodied that. So it doesn't surprise me that he's like, you know, like, I don't even think she's ready to go. So bye. Like, that's that's the God complex theory. Unfortunately, I believe that theory the most. It's just like, I have worked with doctors that I feel like you have the God complex. Okay, so sources. Sources. So mine were Britannica, biography.com, all that is interesting.com. And all that is interesting is an amazing website. Amazing. Really, they have a bunch of interesting shit. (laughs) Um, The other websites that I didn't get to mention because I didn't get to finish reading them was um grunge grunge is another great website it's very similar it's interesting so grunge is a great website murderpedia of course i love murderpedia and then hub um med.ncbi.nlm.nic.com that's how you know she's National Health Library of Medicine. So if you need to know that again, it is <laughs> med.ncbi.nlm.nih.gov. Yes. And website for medical. And if you're a medical professional, you know. So those are my sources. Yours. Do you mean to flip your notes? Um, yeah, it's one of them. So I've Am I allowed to look at your yes. notes? It is. One of my biggest ones, of course, is all that is interesting because they always have. We do love interesting. Great sources. It's a very underrated website, in my opinion. All that is interesting is because they go very in depth. They do. They go more in depth than you expect them to. So they're the ones that I always say do the hard work for me because, like, they're the ones that, like, this is the currency back then, this is a currency now. And I'm like, if. Bless. And I'm over here bumping pages. I'm like, I bookmarked the page. And I'm okay. She's pulling up my notes. Yeah, hold on. Hold these. I'm hearing. I can do things. So, true 
So not all that is interesting this time. It, no, it was. See, the one I already hit. Oh, there's two. All that is interesting. By Natasha Ish. By Natasha Aisha. And then the other source I used was, was it New York's most infamous? That's the name of the title. Yeah. It's true. True crime edition. Yes. TrueCrimeEdition.com. Always, if you guys are ever interested in these kind of things, research. It's fun. Also, tell us what you want us to cover. Yeah. We can't do it if you don't tell us. I'm like, do you like when I do my odd little spinoffs? You know you like the Disney shit, so just what you want to do. So even my um, therapist told me I should do the Brothers Grimm. And I told her she should do the Brothers Grimm. I second the notion. I always love doing the de- like the dark Disney. We love dark Disney. Dark Disney has now become our thing. So cheers to us. We've created a thing. Hashtag dark Disney. Dark Disney. And we're not talking about Disney this episode. But thank you so much for being I, here. I'm fucking 30, you guys. Hello. We're being 30. In an hour and 13 minutes. Bye. All the content to be coming soon. Bye. Bye.